The truth matters. In our study, we're seeing that over and over. We're seeing that. The truth matters. Why does it matter? Yesterday, we saw clearly Jesus is God. Jesus clearly claims to be God. He explains uh, the evidence for it. Why does it matter? We know Jesus is fully God. We also know that he is fully man. That is the truth of our gospel. Again, why does it matter? The question is tonight, can we explain as believers, can we uphold, can we defend these big tenets of our faith, these big truths of our gospel? Here's the deal tonight. We are to be growing in our understanding of God's truth. We are to be learning, we're to be growing, we're to be stacking on our foundation, and we are to be, as as followers of Christ, building a deep knowledge of the truth of God. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be growing and stacking on our foundation and, and building a deep knowledge of the truth of God. Why? It is because the world and Satan are in a constant state of attack on the truth. And that's the reality. The world that we live in, Satan uh, in this world, they are in a constant state of attack against the truth. Now, it's been that way all the way from the very start. We are in a battle for the truth. And that's the reality of where we exist. Well, in that understanding, how awesome is it that we, as we are moving through this gospel, As we are moving through these verses, as we're moving through these hundred days, that our knowledge of the truth is growing. I was thinking about that. What a tremendous thing that is. We're coming up on the halfway point to the fifth chapter and see already how our knowledge of the truth is growing. Well, friends, be sure tonight that is God's plan. That is God's wisdom. That is God's grace to us. He wants us to build deep, wise, strong, informed faiths in the truth of Jesus. He, he wants that for us. Well, tonight Jesus continues. Uh, this fifth chapter, if you've noticed, has turned into to quite a profound revelation of Jesus, really a deep revelation of his gospel. Uh, it, it is revealing to us just this fifth chapter, uh, some big foundational theological truths uh, here in the fifth chapter. Well, tonight we continue, Jesus continues as we move through this chapter. Our message tonight is entitled, Choose Life. Choose Life. Our verses are found in John chapter 5, tonight, verses 25 through 29. Choose life. John chapter 5, tonight, verses 25 through 29. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Beginning in verse 25, God's Word says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. And he gave him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice." 
and will come forth. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life. Those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come tonight, we're thankful for your truth. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful that you lead us through it, in it. Lord, we come tonight, we're thankful for the Savior of that word, Jesus. Lord, we're thankful that we have hope tonight in Jesus, that we have the forgiveness of our sins in Jesus. Lord, I pray as we study tonight that you would remove any hindrance to that, any barrier to that, that you would open our minds tonight, you would open our ears and our hearts tonight. And I pray, Lord, that we would draw closer to Jesus tonight, that we'd have a deeper understanding of the truth of the gospel tonight. I pray, Lord, that it's supernaturally empowered. Lord, I pray that it's supernatural in impact, in effect. And Lord, I pray that in all of that, that you're known and that you're glorified. Lord, I pray for some that are hearing this tonight that do not know you. I pray that in the hearing of a resurrected, risen Savior, of hope in Jesus, that tonight might be the night of their salvation. Lord, grow us tonight. Be honored in us tonight. Lord, we, we trust this to you. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So we begin tonight. Let's start off with a very quick review. Uh, if you remember in our verses yesterday, Jesus has revealed that he is God. And that's what our verses told us yesterday. As he explains that, and really it's a very marvelous explanation of that, he has given us four reasons Four evidences that we can know he is God. Now, I want you to think about these. I'm going to go ahead and tell them to you. But each of these surely, certainly point to the truth that Jesus is God. Now, the first one is this. He has the same will as the Father. They work in harmony together. There's not two wills. There is one will. He has the same will as the Father. Now, the second thing is this. He has the same power as the Father. Now, the Bible told us yesterday, we're going to see it again in our verses, that Jesus, the Son, can give life. Well, only God can give life, and so it's confirming Jesus is God. Then the third thing, he has the same authority as the Father. He has the same authority as the Father. God the Father has given him the role of the righteous judge. We're going to see that in play again tonight. And then the fourth thing, we see he is due the same honor as the Father. Now, there is one God, and he is jealous, and he doesn't share his glory with anyone. And, and, and it's very telling that Jesus is due the same honor as the Father. In fact, the Bible told us yesterday to honor Jesus is to honor the Father. If you want to honor the Father, if you want to bring honor to Him, the way we do that today is we exalt and we uplift the name of Jesus. And so Jesus is clear. He is divine. He is God. Now, I want you to be sure. If you run into somebody and they are to tell you that Jesus never claimed to be God, and those folks are out there, I run into them, maybe you're going to run into some, maybe you already have. If you run into somebody, they say, well, let me tell you, Jesus never claimed to be God. Because of our Bible study, you can say, let's go to John chapter 5. He most certainly did. 
Now, not only that, but he also told us yesterday that it absolutely matters. Now, we have to consider the question, is it a gospel issue? Is the weight of it eternal? Some folks say, well, is it a big deal? Is it an issue worth dividing over or taking issue with? Well, we see it is an absolute gospel issue. Let me read verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. He tells us in verse 24, his message and the Father's word are the same. And he who believes, this is what he says, has eternal life. They do not come into judgment, but they have passed out of death into life. And so we see it absolutely matters. If you run into somebody, they say, well, it doesn't matter. It's insignificant. You tell them it absolutely matters on the word of Jesus. Okay, so we see that. We hear that. I hope, I pray that now we understand that Jesus is God. But what does that mean to us? The truth matters. Why does it matter? What does any of this actually mean to us? Well, these folks that were originally hearing this, they're wondering the same thing. They've been confronted with some huge truths, really some life-altering and some eternity-altering truths, and they're trying to piece it together. They're wondering, what does any of this have to do with us? They're wondering the same. Well, as we move tonight, Jesus tells them and us, understand these next verses are the application, they are the implication of the truths he's just revealed. Well, what weight does it have? Well, these next verses, Jesus is going to instruct them. He's going to do us as well, instruct us as well. These are the implications of the truths that he's just revealed. All right, let's look at them. Now, to start, I, I want to put verse 24 again back into our mind. We've already read it, but it's a, a key verse. And so to begin tonight, I want us to put verse 24 back into our mind. So listen again to the words of Jesus. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but is passed out of death into life. He says, he who hears my word, it's talking about Jesus. He who hears my word, well, his word is that he is the Messiah. His word is is that he is the Savior sent from God. His word, his testimony, is that by faith in him, one is forgiven of their sin, one is saved. And so that is his word. Well, that is the same word as the Father, and that's what it's testifying to. That is the same word as the Father who promised that the seed of the woman, the seed of Abraham, from the line of David, from the city of Bethlehem, from there would come the blessing and the hope of all nations. And by faith in him, we are forgiven. And by faith in him, we are saved. And so understand, it is the same message. It is the same good news. It is the same gospel. And he says in verse 24, and by belief 
in that message, that good news, we have eternal life, we do not come into judgment, and we've passed out of death into life. That's huge. That's big. What is the implication of that? What does that mean to you and I? What does that mean to me? All right, well, Jesus goes on, verse 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Jesus starts off, verse 25, truly, truly. Jesus is saying this is the truth. You want to know the truth? You want answers? This is the truth. Truly, truly, this is the answer. An hour, an hour is coming, meaning there is a coming point. An hour is coming. And then it says this, and now is. And so an hour is coming, and at the same time, it, 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 it's coming now. It also is now. It now is. Now stay with me. Jesus here is telling of two resurrections. He, he is talking about a spiritual resurrection and a physical resurrection. So Jesus here in verse 25 is, is talking about two resurrections. It is coming and it is right now. Two different resurrections. Now the first is this. The first, there is a spiritual resurrection. When we believe in Jesus Christ, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we experience a spiritual resurrection. Now, let me back that up. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 says, When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Well, understand the testimony of Scripture is, In our sin... We are spiritually dead. That is our state in lostness. In our sin, you are, I am, we are spiritually dead. But when we trust Jesus, when we put our faith in Jesus, the good news of the gospel is we are made spiritually alive. Ephesians 2.5, when we were dead in our sin, God made us alive together with Christ. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, when you were dead in your transgressions, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. When we are saved, there is a spiritual resurrection. We are made alive in Jesus Christ. That's why verse 24 says, having passed out of death into life. There is a point of spiritual resurrection. We are made alive in Christ when we trust Jesus Christ. Now verse 25 goes on and it says, when the dead will hear the voice, listen to this, of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Okay, there are two resurrections. One is available now and it is a spiritual resurrection. The other is coming, and it is a physical resurrection. All right, let's keep going. Verse 26. Now, before we read verse 26, let me, let me just ask this. 
Why does it matter if Jesus is God? Why does it matter if Jesus is a man? Those are big questions. We hear that all the time. You'll hear somebody say, Jesus is fully God, and everybody will say amen. And Jesus is fully man, and people say amen. Well, why does it matter if he is God, and why does it matter if he is a man? Jesus has told us he is God, and so now in the implication, the application, we're going to see why it matters. Now, let me tell you the good news tonight. You're about to know both of these answers. Tonight when you leave here, somebody says, well, why does it matter if he's a man? You're going to be able to tell them the answer. Why does it matter if he's God? You're going to be able to tell them the answer. We're going to learn that right now. Jesus is going to instruct us. Verse 26. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. Let me read that again. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. Himself. Now, remember the truth of yesterday. It's a big truth. Only God can give life. Only God can do that, spiritual life or physical life. And so just like the Father can give life, the verse says, so the Son also can give life. And so the verse is telling us again, Jesus is God, same as last night. We'll see this. Why must the Savior be God? Why must the Messiah be God? Why must Jesus be God? It is because only God can give life. Oh, that's big. That's a big deal. Listen to me. An angel of God cannot give life. An agent of God cannot give life. An ambassador doing the work of God, they cannot give life. Only God can give life. Well, Jesus, the Bible says, gives us spiritual life. We're going to see in a minute, he also gives us physical life. And so that is why Jesus, our Savior, the Messiah, must be God. Praise the Lord, he is. Somebody comes along, and we live in a day where, you know what, we don't want to draw too hard of a line. We live in a day where we don't want to upset too many folks. They come along and they say, you know what? It doesn't matter, does it? It only does if it's the gospel. It only does if you're ever going to be saved. It only matters then if it, if it has an eternal impact. Verse 25, I want you to notice something. It says, they hear the voice of the Son of God and live. He must be God. Well, here's the next question. But why must he be a man? Why does he have to be a man? Well, guess what? Jesus is going to tell us that as well. Verse 27. And he gave him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Let me read that again. And he gave him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. The son of God, the Bible says, gives life. And the son of man executes judgment. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. To be a fair judge, to be a righteous judge, to know the mindset of men, to know the temptation of men, he lived as a man. Do you see how profound that is? To know the mindset of men, to know the heart of man, to know, to know the temptation of men, 
wearing our skin. He lived as a man. Hebrews 4.15 says, Our high priest can sympathize with our weaknesses, for he was tempted in all things as we are. And the Bible says, yet without sin. That's going to be a fair judge. That's going to be a righteous judge. Now, it's even more than that. It's even deeper than that. Think about this. He serves as the righteous judge, casting judgment on men, having himself suffered the punishment as a man. Now, that that really blows my mind. I, I don't know. I could probably spend another week or two on just that. But you talk about a unique perspective. He knows the punishment that he issues. He knows the the penalty that he declares because he suffered it, securing our redemption as a man himself on the cross of Calvary. Wow, what a perspective that is. There's no better judge than Jesus. Verse 28. Do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. Jesus goes on, and here we go. Here's the actual implication of this truth. The the gospel gets real here in this verse. He says here, do not marvel. It means do not be surprised for an hour. A time is coming in which all who are in the tombs, their dead and their graves, will hear his voice. Now, I want you to understand here, this is not the call to faith, the voice of the good news in verse 25. No, this is a different call. It is a call to assemble. So those that are in their graves, those that are in the tombs, they're going to hear the voice, but the voice is a call to assemble. Now, I want you to get this. All people will be resurrected. Sometimes we think, well, that's that's not true. Here's the truth. All people will be resurrected. Every person who has ever lived will be resurrected. That's what this verse means. Now, this is not talking about a spiritual resurrection. This is now talking about a physical resurrection. Now, notice it is not yet. It is still coming. There is coming a time when all people will be resurrected. Verse 29. All who are in the tombs will hear his voice. Verse 29. And will come forth those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life. Those who committed the the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. Now stay with me. There are two resurrections. One of them is the resurrection of life. In the resurrection of life, you get a resurrection body. You move into eternal life in your resurrection body. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says the dead in Christ, they will get theirs. Those that are alive in Christ, they will get theirs. That is one, the resurrection of life. And then there is another resurrection that is a resurrection of judgment. Now, I won't go crazy here, but, but after a thousand year, the thousand year reign, those outside of Christ, they also, listen, will be resurrected and they will be fit for eternity in hell. 
not the same resurrection. They will be resurrected, but it'll be a resurrection for eternal judgment, a resurrection of judgment. Now, I want you to see this. It says those who did good deeds. Now, deeds, that word's not in the original text. Uh, It is implied. It says those who did good and those who did evil. Uh, Evil translates worthless things. Now, I want to explain this. I want to be very careful here. Be very certain tonight, we are not saved by works. We're not saved by doing things. We're not saved by deeds. There's a lot of folks, in fact, there's whole religions that say we're trying to tip some sort of scales and I've got to do some good things and I've got to offset the balance and I want to do some more good things and some more good things and if I can impress God somehow, these good things will save me. We are not saved by doing things, deeds. Listen to me, this chapter makes that clear. The fifth chapter says we're saved by faith. The third chapter of John makes that clear. We're saved by faith. The gospel of John, in fact, is all about it. We're saved by faith. In the New Testament, the testimony of Scripture, the witness of Scripture is we're saved by faith, not of any work that we might do, lest we would boast. Be very, very clear tonight. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. We're saved by faith. But don't miss this. Yet your faith is evidenced in your actions. Now the Bible calls that fruit. Now listen to me very carefully. As believers, we do sin. We do sin, but our fruit, the fruit of our lives, the product of our lives as believers should give evidence of our faith. Do you understand that? The Bible doesn't mince words. That's what it says. Yes, we sin. Yes, we fall short. But the the fruit of our life, the product of our life, what comes out of our life should give evidence to our faith. Let me be honest with you. We don't like that. We don't like to talk about that. We don't like to hold people to that standard. We don't like to hold ourselves to that standard. Church attendance will go down if you tell folks, we have fruit that ought to reflect our faith. But I want to tell you, as a new creation, as those that are knowing the truth, Jesus as those that are walking and growing as disciples of Jesus, as those that are led by the Word of God, as those that are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, our fruit should give evidence, should bear witness to our faith. we got a whole lot of folks that run around. They're mean and they're foul and they're rude. They walk in sin and they run to sin and there's no evidence of their fruit and they come and say, yeah, but I've been here for 40 years. Yeah, but my dad was a deacon. You ought to see his name on the plaque out back. Listen, our fruit, our product should give evidence of our faith. He's talking to a bunch of folks that have a lot of words. Check off list. You know what we did on the Sabbath? Not that, not that. We did this. And he says, you know what? Your fruit should reveal your faith. Those saved, those that have trusted Jesus, here's what the Bible says, and their fruit shows it. 
will be given a resurrected, glorified body. They will enjoy the resurrection of life. Those that had a spiritual resurrection because they've trusted Jesus Christ, they will now have a physical resurrection. The Bible says they will not come into judgment. They've already passed into life. And then I want you to see this. And likewise, just as certain, just as sure, those who are lost, those who have rejected Jesus, those who've never had a spiritual resurrection, those whose fruit reveals also their lack of faith, it says they will be raised up to a resurrection of judgment. They will remain in death. They will be eternally judged. We ought to picture that for a minute. Resurrected to be fit for hell. Can you imagine that? I want, to, I want to tell you, we think about that. That ought to, that ought to rattle our bones. That ought to rattle us to our core. There, there, there they are. They're fit for a resurrection of judgment. They're fit for an eternity in hell. And there's no hope, not ever. There's no help. It's not coming, not ever. There's no relief. No relief in sight, not ever. There's no remedy for them. There's nobody they can cry out to. It is forever a judgment eternal. And so here we go. That is the implication of the gospel of truth. Pretty big, isn't it? Pretty heavy, isn't it? I want to try something. Listen now to John chapter 3 in light of this. I want you to listen. In light of this truth, listen to John chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the son in the world to judge the world but that the world might be saved through him. Listen to this. He who believes in him is not judged. That's what it said. He who does not believe has been judged already because he's not believed in the name of the son of the only begotten son of God. This is the judgment that the light is coming to the world and the men love the darkness rather than the light. Listen to this. For their deeds were evil. Their fruit showed it. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Listen to this. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds, his fruit, may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Here's the reality tonight. You will be resurrected. You will be resurrected. And you will decide in which resurrection you'll participate. And either it'll be in faith in Jesus Christ, because you realize you needed a Savior, because you realize you couldn't do it on your own, and you turn to Jesus Christ Either it'll be faith in Christ, a resurrection of life. The word actually means life that has a quality and a quantity. Life full of life that does not end. Either that'll be your resurrection, that body be attached to you, or in the rejection of Jesus, it'll be a resurrection of judgment. Here's the deal. We're going to stop right here tonight. 
Jesus is calling them to believe. Do you see that? That's what this is about. He says, I'm God, but not just to make some declaration. He said, I'm God that I, that I can give you life. I'm also a man because I'm the one that's going to judge. And he's calling them for, to, to believe in him. His call's always been to believe in grace and kindness. Believe, believe, choose life. Later he's going to say, I'm the resurrection and the life. He's calling them and us. Listen, believe, believe, believe. Believe. There's two resurrections, and the difference is belief. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come tonight. We're thankful for your truth. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful for life. We're thankful for the forgiveness of sin. We're thankful for a coming resurrection of life. We're looking for a day, Lord, when there'll be no more sin, no more sorrow, no more sickness. No more tears that you'll tabernacle with your people. Lord, what a day that'll be. We look forward to it. We're thankful. We're also thankful that we have eternal life right now, a spiritual resurrection right now. We're not waiting. We have it now. We live in spiritual life because you give it. We praise you for that. Lord, I, I pray for a couple things. I pray, first off, for us here that are believers. I pray as we hear these verses that we would be shaken tonight, that we would be stirred tonight, that we would be urgent for those that might miss you, that might not hear, that might reject, that might turn against you. Lord, that we'd be urgent to know there's good news, there's hope for them, that we'd be ambassadors of that good news. And Lord, I pray the other impact of this message tonight is those outside of Christ tonight those that have not had a spiritual resurrection, those that are existing in death even now, headed for a state of eternal death, Lord, that they would understand your grace and your love are available tonight in Jesus. Move in their heart, stir in their heart. Let salvation, Lord, ring out tonight for your glory, for your name's sake. Lord, we give you all of this. Again, we ask that you, you've spoken through it. We believe you have. We ask now that you move. In this time of response, we give it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our time together with a time of response, a time to respond to the truth of God's good news. And the good news is offered to us tonight, to you tonight. For sinners tonight, there's hope. We've earned a punishment. Death, we exist in death. We're headed for eternal death, second death, the book of Revelation says. But the giver of life, Jesus, comes. He lives a life and he never sins that he could go in our place, in our stead. And that's what he does at the cross of Calvary. He dies our death, taking our penalty, our punishment upon himself. He settles the debt. He pays for it in his own blood. He secures our redemption. The Bible says if we'll profess him as Lord, if we'll claim that, not because we're good all of a sudden, but because we realize we need a Savior. The Bible says we will, we shall be Save. If you've never trusted Jesus, trust him tonight. Turn to Jesus tonight. Turn to Jesus tonight. He is your answer. He is your hope. If you're here and you followed Christ, but you've never followed in believers' baptism, it's an important step, but it's an obedience to what Christ says. It's a chance to testify to what we believe of our Savior. And you come as well. We'll set a, a day to be a great day of celebration, testifying to what we believe of Jesus.
If you're here looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and you believe God's led you here, you come as well. And together we'll unite serving his, his glory, his purpose, his cause until he comes again. Maybe tonight on this, on this night you want to come pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me tonight. I'm going to ask that, that no one would stir about heading for an exit, that you'd pray for those that are making decisions. If God is speaking to you, if he's spoken to you tonight, if you need more information, you step out and you come on. I'll meet you here. If God has spoken to you, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here.